we're launching a brand new series today. I'm pretty excited. It's, uh, it's called One. Uh, I mean, we've got the poster up behind me here. Uh, it's uh, one book of the Old Testament uh, each week. Uh, and we're going to make sure that you understand that it's only about one story. And, uh, and I want to frame the start of our series. Obviously, next week we'll kick off with Genesis. But this week, I want to frame it out of a, a New Testament uh, passage in Luke chapter 24. So if you do have your Bibles with you, please turn with me to Luke chapter 24. Uh, it's the last chapter in that gospel. And, um, and the title of today's sermon is Heartburn. Heartburn. Okay, so it'll make sense in a moment. But before, uh, before we get into that, uh, a quick little a story. You know, this is something that um, as I was preparing for this sermon, I heard uh, Tim Mackey or Dr. Tim Mackey mention this. He's the guy that's behind uh, one of the guys behind the Bible Project. And remember, the Bible Project's thing also is, is to show that the Bible is a unified story about Jesus, which gives you a clue as to what the sermon series is about as well. And, uh, you know, he asks this amazing question in one of his lectures. He said, why would, let me just contextualize it to us. Why on earth would a, an English-speaking, you know, Canadian in 2022, why on earth would you want to and need to invest time and energy into reading an ancient piece of literature, ancient text like this, where we, we, we're talking specifically about the Old Testament uh, at this moment. Why would you do that? It, it, you know, it's written in Hebrew and, and Aramaic and, you know, New Testaments in, in, in Greek. Like, why would a, a 21st century, you know, English-speaking Western Canadian do that? Because we don't really know many other people who do that. Like, like one of the jokes he cracks is that we don't know some of our friends who, you know, gather around Egyptian hieroglyphics, you know, for fun. Um, why on earth would you gather around an ancient piece of text? And, and I love his answer, and I agree 100% is that, you know, as a follower of Jesus, we, we, we know that it's actually not about a book. It's about a person. It's a, if, if, and that's what I'm saying. For a follower of Jesus, the answer is, well, Jesus was, of course, a Jew that was embedded in Israel's history. Like, he, you know, he was, he was born in that time. And from the get-go of his ministry, when he started preaching and doing his ministry, what did he do? He connected everything that he said and everything that he did. He connected it back. To an ancient set of texts that his people valued tremendously. Sometimes he would just quote it, assuming that his listeners would just know which book he was referring to, which passage he was referring to. It was so important to Jesus, to what he did and what he said, and to the people that he said it to. And so as followers of Jesus, listen, if these writings matter to Jesus, well then, if, a follow, if I'm a follower of Jesus, they're going to matter to me. I think that's a great reason. And I want to encourage you, if you want to see more of a three-dimensional view of Jesus... It, you would do well, and that's why we're doing the series, that we would go back to these old passages as well and, and, and learn what Jesus wants us to learn and know. Uh, and before we read this verse, a quick plug on, on what we've as a church done to help you in this endeavor is we have subscribed to a, an account as a church uh, with the Dwell app. Okay, and there's a link up on screen. And I, I want to encourage you if you haven't done it yet. I know some people started using it over our um, Advent devotions. But you are able to have the Dwell app read you in your voice and accent even of preference. The book of the Bible that we'll be looking at every week. Without you having to pay a subscription fee, we've done it for you. We've, and I just want to encourage you. You know, Some people are listening online and you're not part of CityGates. And you go, Woo, I'm going to follow that link and I'm going to have a free Dwell subscription. 
I will bounce you, okay? This is for City Gators. Like, we know, we know who's in our church, and if I see a, a name on there that nobody recognizes, I will cancel your subscription, okay? So this is for City Gators to bless you. You're welcome to join our church, and if that's the case, you can have it for free. But uh, I just wanted to put that in there. So, friends, make use of that resource. You know, you might think, how am I going to read the Old Testament? Well, maybe you're still driving if you're commuting, or, you know, you take long showers. I don't know what your thing is, but you can, you can press play. And actually listen to these Old Testament books as you prepare and get ready for each week. Okay, but let's, um, let's hear from Jesus himself why this is important. Hey, so Luke chapter 24, uh, verses 13 to 27 is what I'll be reading first. Um, sorry, I, is that the right one? Yes, that is right. Sorry, I was on the wrong page. So here we go. That very day, by the way, this is the day of the resurrection of Jesus, okay? Two of them, two of the disciples, were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened the, there in these days? And he said to them, What things? <laughs> and they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early this morning. And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. And he said to them, O oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. We'll just stop there for a moment. And Lord Jesus, just want to ask you to help me, Lord, as I preach this sermon. After, of course, hearing lots of news, help us to focus on, on this particular moment, these particular passages in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, you know, quick recap. Uh, you know, we first see this amazing statement in verse 16 that Jesus, of course, appears, walks with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And I, I want us to stop there as we approach these, you know, massive books of the Bible to, to approach it with humility. Okay. If, if this is what I read in the New Testament here, then I have to understand that if I recognize Jesus in the scriptures, or if I recognize Jesus at all, that I mustn't go and go, man, I'm such a clever theologian. Oh my goodness. Am I not amazing? You know, amazed at how I can figure it out. But actually, if I understand, if I get to see Jesus, it is a gift of grace. Not something that I've earned or, 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 or have done in my own strength. We can't have that sort of, look what I found. 
arrogance when we come to the scriptures, but realizing he brings revelation. And I want you to note a little later, just in the back of your head, make a note as to when their eyes opened. Okay. Like we know their eyes are closed here. They, they're not recognizing him. Notice later when. And so, you know, they, they also say to Jesus, where have you been? Have you been under a rock? You know, don't you know what's been happening in Jerusalem? You know, and as you read through Luke, I mean, Luke makes a big thing about crowds and crowds following Jesus. He was, you know, it was a, it was a big deal. And so they're like, what? You don't know what happened? Where, where have you been? Okay. Um, but they, they say an interesting thing in verse 21. They, they say to Jesus that when Jesus died, their hopes were shattered. They said their hopes were shattered because they, they, they actually interpreted the Old Testament, obviously, up until that, wrong. They thought that Jesus was going to be this great political leader, right? And so they were sad at his death. And, and that's when Jesus steps in and he says to them, you fools, you idiots. That's how he, he responds to them. He, he, he said to them, he confronts, okay, and, and, and he corrects. He confronts their wrong thinking and then he corrects their a wrong interpretation of who the Christ, the Messiah, because they were waiting for a, 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 an anointed one. That's what Christ means. And, 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 uh, and thinking it was Jesus, it was, but, but obviously completely different in terms of the interpretation. And so he, he corrects them. And, and then he says, beginning with Moses, and that really refers to the first five books of the Old Testament, uh, you know, the Torah or the Pentateuch, that's what, that's what we call those, um, the prophets. And later in verse 44, we'll see he talks about the Psalms as well. And so really, when he says all of the scriptures to the Jews, uh, to, to Israel, it was the, the Old Testament, our Old Testament. And he, and he shows them in verse 27 that they are all concerning himself, okay? Concerning himself. This is what it means for you and me, friends, that if we divorce our readings of the Old Testament from the person of Jesus, if we, if we divorce him from, the, from, from reading, actually, we, we're, we we're going to run into problems like these guys did. We're going to misunderstand the Old Testament. So if properly understood, okay, and, and these disciples are proof that you can understand it improperly, but if the Old Testament is properly understood. It will lead you and me also to be concerned with Jesus. That's if it's properly understood. And that is according to Jesus, as we just see here in Luke 24. So we have to wrestle with the Old Testament. And I have to just be honest, it's going to be a wrestle. Okay. There's some stuff in the Old Testament that is just bizarre, difficult to understand. But I think it's because we often divorce it from the person of Jesus. And we find ourselves with complicated things to try and make sense of. And so, you know, if you're listening today and you're not a Christ follower, I'm actually not telling you to go read the Old Testament. We want to start with Jesus. So if you read about Jesus and, and we want to introduce you to God, we'll start with Jesus. And then as you, we work with Jesus, we'll go, hey, we want, you want to know the backstory? And in fact, if you read the words of Jesus, you're going to go, I want to know the backstory. Jesus clicks back to the Old Testament often, and you'll find yourself reading it. But I would say that if you're not a follower of Jesus, you know, don't start there. Start with Jesus. You'll find yourself there eventually if you obey his words. And so, as I mentioned, the problem is, is we actually make the Old Testament often about other things and other people. Sometimes we make it about ourselves. Hey, we write ourselves in as the main character. We think, oh, this story in the Old Testament is about me. <laughs> And, and how I should live or how I shouldn't live instead of actually seeing that somehow this is concerned with Jesus. 
it's very important that we get that. You know, I, I watched The Never Ending Story with my boys yesterday. Do you guys know that? Old movie, 1984, it was released. I was six years old, okay? And I'm pretty sure I watched the movie a few years after it was released, but I wasn't, I didn't crack 10 years old yet, okay? So vivid imagination. I remember it so clearly. Super excited to, you know, introduce that movie to my boys. And uh, it was a joke, obviously, you know? Terrible special effects. Clearly, my imagination, uh, you know, when I was under 10 was vivid. Um, but, you know, the whole point of never-ending story is as this boy's reading the book, he, he's reading himself into the story. That's the whole thing. It's like he's the, he's the main character. And we must not make the never-ending story mistake with the Old Testament, where we think we're the main character. And, and, you know, God comes in and Jesus comes in as a supporting act. That is not the case. <laughs> and, unfortunately, we also fight the culture. You know, the culture has, you know, Hollywood has taken biblical accounts and they have prepackaged it to us with the wrong narrative often as the main point. And so sometimes we have to undo, you know, the, the Bible stories that, you know, we might pick up in the bookstore or the Hollywood movies that's produced around uh, these, these narratives because they also are not necessarily concerned with Jesus. And so you have to unlearn what Hollywood has perhaps taught you incorrectly. Or, or even publishing, you know. It's not about the animals in the ark and the fish and Jonah and the giant and the five stones. Those are, key, those are players in the story. But ultimately, how are those concerned with Jesus? Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanna, I'm going to read from 1 Timothy, uh, 2 Timothy 3.15 now. You don't have to turn there. Just listen to me. But we heard from Jesus. We're going to hear from Paul quickly. Uh, this is what Paul says to Timothy, you know, his protege. He says, how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. It's a Bible code for Old Testament. He says, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. There's Paul's summary. He's saying these ancient you know, writings, these, these sacred writings, the Old Testament, will make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Now, again, I'm going to refer to Tim Mackey here, who paraphrases that so beautifully. What does that mean? Well, He's saying, Paul, the Old Testament, first of all, is wisdom literature, right? It will make you wise. But wise in what way? In what way will it make you wise? Well, it will lead you to understand that you need to be rescued. Why? Because Paul says it will make you wise for salvation. That means, okay, a rescue needs to take place. So how's that going to happen? You're going to save yourself, good willpower, nice, you know, a righteous life that you that you live you know do make good choices no salvation through faith so in other words not works through faith in christ jesus in other words christ is like pointing that he is the messiah it's through that person so you need to be rescued okay by what someone else has done for you that's why it's faith not works you put faith in his works and that someone else is Christ Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. So that's Paul. And that, my friends, is going to be the journey that we're going to take through the Old Testament. It's going to make us wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Let's keep reading. Okay. We're just going to read um, from, verse 40, uh, from verse 28 now to verse 35. So Jesus confronts and corrects the disciples. And so now they draw, draw near to the village to which they were going. And he acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay, stay with us, for it is toward evening. The day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with him. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it 
and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road? While he opened up to us the scriptures. And they rose that same hour, returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together saying, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. So let's stop there quickly. I see, you know, they strongly urged Jesus to stay. Why? Listen, they didn't just enjoy his company. I'm convinced of that. I think they also enjoyed the content. As Jesus was opening up the scriptures to them. You know, how do I know they enjoyed the content? Well, it says they were our hearts not burning within us. This is the only time, friends, that you should invite heartburn. I don't know. Like, I don't know. Sometimes it's your diet. Sometimes it's your age. Right? There's seasons in my life where it's just like heartburn is horrible. Okay. Like in South Africa, we used to get Rennie's. Rennie's fixed heartburn. What's the Canadian version of it? Hey? Okay. You've got masks on. I don't know what you're saying. But, but, but I'm sure it works. Okay. This is the one time where you want heartburn. The one time you want it is, is the, in the way that they describe it. Okay. Why? Because he opened up the scriptures. And this is so sad, friends. This means that you can open up the Bible and the Bible can be closed to you. If Jesus isn't central, the, the shocking news is you can open your Bible, but the Bible cannot be open to you. The scriptures may not be open to you if Jesus isn't central to your reading. So, um, yeah, I want us to just read four more verses in Luke 24. We're going to fast forward to verse 44. All right. And... There, Jesus, uh, you know, appeared now to uh, other disciples. He vanished. He appeared again. And, and this is what he says to them. These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Let's conclude with this. So we see here he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He said, you know, he said, it's about me. And of course, he reiterates that the law, the prophets, the Psalms, the Old Testament. Okay. And, and this is the question I want to ask you. If I say you should want this kind of heartburn, how do you get this heartburn? How, how do you find yourself saying so positively, uh, speaking about your heart's burning the way the disciples did? Well, A, you have your eyes opened to recognize Jesus through B, having your mind opened to understand the scriptures. The scriptures are about Jesus. Okay. You want heartburn? Have your eyes open to recognize Jesus as your mind is open to understand the scriptures that points to Jesus. Okay. This is how we get heart heartburn. And, and, and remember verse 35, it says that he was known to them in the breaking of bread as Jesus broke the bread. It's like their eyes opened up. Is that a coincidence? Do you think that's a, I, I don't think, and I want to read too much into this, but but if I just think about breaking of bread, I've got the communion elements right in front of me here. We're going to do that together right now. I think it's amazing that it happened in that moment. Verse 44 to 48 here, 
Jesus actually gives bullet points. He gives a summary in many ways of what the Old Testament is ultimately about. When he said, I've, I've spoken about these things, that they should be fulfilled. And then he lists the, the, the key ideas. Okay, what does he say? He, he, he says, um, the Christ should suffer on the third day. So first of all, that there is a person, a Messiah, a, a deliverer, a rescuer, a redeemer. And, and he said, you know, obviously in the end it's him. There's a person coming. He said that he will suffer, all right, and he will die. So death on that cross is part of what this Old Testament stories are pointing to, that he will be raised from the dead on the third day. There's a resurrection that would take place. And this act of dying and being resurrected will actually provide opportunity for repentance and forgiveness of sins, but not just for the people of Israel, for the whole world, proclaimed to all the nations, beginning in Jerusalem. And he says, you are witnesses of these things. What he's saying to them, you've seen me. I'm the fulfillment of these things. Friends, this is amazing. Without that structure, without that structure, we don't actually know what to do with the Old Testament. If you don't have those bullet points of saying, actually, this is what this is all about. That there's a Christ that would come, uh, suffer and die and be raised to life. And through that, repentance and forgiveness of sins available to all nations. Without that framework, you're actually going to find yourself not knowing what to do with much of the Old Testament. And the breaking of bread, I believe, in many ways, is a rehearsal of that moment. It is like a revision of those few points I've listed there. When we break bread, we acknowledge, yes, someone came and died. His body was given. His blood was shed. He did the work for me, so I don't have to work. I'm eating this in faith in what he has done for me. And through this, it brings us together. I mean, there's not a lot of Jews or Israelites in front of me here. All right? South African, Canadians. I mean, it's come true. We are sharing in this meal. We are feeding in our hearts by faith on Jesus. This is a rehearsal and a remembering of what the scriptures point to. No wonder there was a connection between the breaking of the bread and seeing Jesus. And we're going to do this together now. We're going to break bread together. So I want to invite Toby to come back onto the screen. He's actually going to facilitate us. I'm going to stay on there because as he talks, I'm going to hand these out to people in the wake point. So Toby, take it away. Great. Thanks, Vic. Yeah, you know, um, of course, an appropriate uh, moment for us to break bread and to share in communion. And um, so interesting as we connect, you know, what we spoke about earlier about uh, Sabbath or sabbatical rest also with this moment um, in Hebrews four, the writer of Hebrews is actually doing what, you know, Vic just did and what Jesus instructs us to do. He's looking back at the old Testament and he's looking through and he's saying, hold on, wait a minute. There was a sabbatical rest that they didn't enter into. He's, he's looking at David. He's looking at Joshua. He says in uh, chapter four, verse eight, he says, if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. As we, uh, maybe if you gather, if you uh, saw on the announcements, uh, a bread bread or a cracker, or if you have some juice with you, what we're holding, what we're remembering, what we are uh, recalling is that the work has been done. When, when Jesus said, this is my body broken for you, when Jesus said, this is my blood shed for you, this work was complete. And, and just consider 
the mode in which we eat now sometimes, which uh, tells us a lot about our cultures. We have, of course, fast food and we drive by and we drive through and, and uh, you know, we, we, it's all packaged and ready to go. And then there's also even just the manner in which we, there's so much work to do. We take probably unhealthily, we just, we just throw it down and keep going. It's just nutrients to some degree. When we stop and pause here, it's, it's time for us to stop and, and rest and rest in what God has done and to reflect on that. So uh, if you have uh, the bread and juice with you, if not, it'd be great, you know, maybe at your lunch today, you, you take a time to break bread and to reflect. Friends, this is the body of Christ broken for us. This is the blood of Christ shed for you and I. Well, I think I'm going to close our time here. Is that all right, Vic, or do you want to? Yeah, say- I'm going to. I'm going to uh, jump off screen. But so, okay. God bless everybody. But Toby, uh, close, close for yeah. us and pray. Yeah, let me just uh, pray for us. I want to bless us and pray for us out of Ephesians 18. This, I this sense of our eyes being open. This is exactly what Paul's thinking of and praying for this church in Ephesus, and it's a blessing and prayer for us. He says this, and I'm praying it for City Gates. City Gates. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened, have that so that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance of the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, city gates, would your eyes be open to see God's goodness, God's grace, and God's work for you uh, this week, today, and beyond. Hopefully you can get connected into a community group, and we'll see you next week.